This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Matt, the Miz, Mizzler on the other side and joining us as they do every single week for the MGO Blog Roundtable is the MGO Blog crew minus Craig Ross, who is feeling under the weather. Feel better, Craig, but I'm sure the fellows will hold it down in your place starting off first. The man that started it all over at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great, my friend. And Seth Fisher, how are you this morning? I'm all right. I, I'm glad that the uh, sickness that's knocked out Brian so far and a couple other staff ours and Craig Ross now is staying the hell away from us. Just keep that in Ann Arbor. I don't want that here in Detroit. <laughs> I hear that, man. Be- before we kind of move on and uh, get into some basketball and hockey. Just want to get your reaction to the news that we knew was coming, and that is the CP. Chris Partridge is back on the scene for the University of Michigan. Uh, the significance of, of that to you, Brian, is? Well, I mean, he was an excellent recruiter when he was here. He knows Harbaugh. He knows all about Harbaugh's little quirks, so I assume that uh, it'll be a good fit. And Michigan does need a little recruiting help after the last uh, cycle. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, Seth, we've we've talked, we've beaten the NIL subject to death. Here you have a guy who's going to come in with some pretty good NIL intel. I mean, we have, we all suspect <laughs> how it really goes down, right? But like, he really knows how the hot dog is made. I, right? and then, I think that the guy is on the, I, I'm sure that they know already, right? So I don't know that, like, you know, that no one's sitting around in the Michigan program being like, oh, no, how do you do this, right? It's more of a how do they get away with it? We don't kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Partridge is not just a guy who knows how recruiting works. He's a good coach. And, like, he was, you know, he did a great job at uh, Paramus. He did a great job here at Michigan. Like, you look at the, the things that he coached here, special teams, were great under Baxter, they were great under Partridge, and they remained great under Har- uh, Jay Harbaugh. But, you know, he had a big imprint on how that went down. And, you know, Michigan's historically done awesome with uh, when they get high school coaches. I know they, they made a rule just because of Chris Partridge. <laughs> and, 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 and they, because they're like, oh, that's not fair. They can get this guy. But, like, high school coaches, especially at the big programs, do tend to be. Really good coaches. It just turns, I guess, the the ability to coach translates uh, when you move up, and you know he's kind of the next one. So he's 
I'm he's glad I'm glad we really got him back, and I also like that Michigan's coaching staff is doing what they do with the players, which is oversigned by a little bit, expecting attrition. Oh yeah, 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 no doubt. That's a great way to put. It. I hadn't heard that analogy, but that's exactly what's going on. Like uh, you, uh, you know that there's some uh, move will be made. Maybe it's a soft landing that you're um, kind of forecasting or allowing for, and then he'll slide into he'll slide into form. But to your point, yeah, maybe they know how it's done, but it's it's good to know what's what what offers are real out there, right? It's a whole lot of. I keep using, hey, we'll give you a McDonald's franchise because I've actually heard that one. You got a guy who's coming. <laughs> he, he knows exactly what, what some of these programs, like specifically what they're getting, what they're really giving guys and can bring that expertise to the fold. And to the extent that it, it, it helps Michigan uh, strategically with, with their projections for things, uh, you hope it helps there. But I think uh, maybe even bigger, uh, at least as far as impact is concerned, Brian is he can bring some of the, the the strategy to the fold. He he actually hired Albert when he was here. So you're talking about a guy that, from a, an operational standpoint, I think can really help Mich- help tweak Michigan's uh, recruiting approach in ways that it needs to be tweaked. Yeah, and um, he was also a pretty good linebackers coach when he was here too. So if that's what he ends up coaching here, um, you know, I think that's another asset to the move. Yeah, man, I think. Um, I definitely think coming out of that that championship or the uh, the playoff game, I I felt like if if he were going to make a move, looking at that game, I, I felt like that would be the move that he was going to make. Mm-hmm. Talking about Jim, uh, that, that's how it felt to me looking at that. I don't know what you guys thought. We we talked about it a little bit, but I think we focused mostly on the offense and not as much on the defense. Yeah, I've had some rough grades for the linebackers. Now, I've I've been saying since they went Ravens that that system is very hard on linebackers. And when you look at what they did at the Ravens, they 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 went cheap on the on the linebackers. Like where they put their money was the was the secondary, and then they found guys who could run the system. They wanted long guys, athletes who could kind of you know run, um, who who could pass up, sorry, defend the pass really well. And, and Junior Colson seems like the perfect guy. And also they want you to be able to blitz off the edge and do a lot of different things. Um, and Colson looks like the perfect guy, but his grades have been like, you know, his freshman year, he was just running the wrong direction. And then sophomore year, it was like 50-50 on high volume. So if you could turn that guy into a real player, right, into somebody who's consistently grading out positively, uh, that is a spot that's the way to turn this defense into an elite defense and get a second cornerback but like everything else was actually performing better than people realized yeah Uh, and then you know brian is coming to here i mean that was uh you know george hilo is is mike mcdonald's uh guy that was one of his his guys one of his boys that he brought in with with mcdonald uh leaving it just you know it it always when you see the guy who hires you kind of move on you you kind of look at what where likely attrition might be i, I kind of look at that if who brought you in kind of goes uh you're maybe more prone to be um one of the next ones to kind of look to to leave sort of deal and that's kind of yeah. how i that's kind of how i see see this one and <clears throat> hopefully uh, as it all works out you know everyone winds up uh better off for it because michigan has some some talented linebacker we know junior colson who we got to Got to point out, he was banged up in that game, just like Will Johnson with 
banged up with a foot. You know, you had uh, Junior Colson banged up in that game in much the same way. But you got Junior. They say uh, Nakai is looking to come back. You you added the Houseman kid. I mean, uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about the the talent level at the linebacker position heading into next year. Right? And Rolder, too. Rolder's, uh, and Jimmy Rolder, right? Yeah, Rolder right. actually looked pretty good at the end of last year. So, I mean, last year they had no depth, right? And now, like, they've got depth. So they could roll four deep, five deep at that position where last year, you know, an injury to linebacker was going to be, oh, no, true freshman's on the field. Yeah. So we shall see, uh, fellas, um, as we let's get over into to basketball because we haven't talked it a lot lately. It is it has been hard to talk for much of the season as they have been a a, a massive, massive work in progress on defense. I uh, really struggled on that end of the floor. They've actually shown uh, some competency of late, Brian, which look, I, I'm not going to make a not going to make it into this huge deal. They aren't stalwarts or anything, but they at least have started to show a pulse on that end of the floor, especially against uh, Northwestern. And uh, who was the game after Northwestern? Ohio State. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that's something that they can continue to build on as they face a very, very game Indiana squad this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, there were a lot of breakdowns against uh, <clears throat> Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But man, Casey Tomonaga, that's a fun player. <laughs> got, he was got frustrating. Some, got some <laughs> Spike Albrecht vibes off of him, but he was back cutting and he was driving against people and throwing stuff up and it was going down. I was like, man, I can play. Um, but yeah, they've they've done some stuff here of late that makes me think that they're coming close to turning the corner. And you're seeing, I think, Kobe Bufkin in particular step up on a consistent basis in a way that he was doing every once in a while before. But now it kind of feels like, okay, he's maybe rounding into a guy who you can really rely on game in, game out as that third scorer that you need. And that's, I think, huge for Michigan. Yeah, Toby Naga was, uh, was a frustrating guy. I, I wondered, I mean, were they underestimating the dude? He was just getting to the basket too easily. And then I remember, well, that has been a theme uh, against Michigan this, this year. What I liked about Northwestern and what I liked about the Ohio State effort, Seth, because you had a team that was more connected defense. They talked a lot more. You could really see them kind of, you know, correcting each other on the fly, kind of calling out switches and calling out screens. Those those things were happening in those games. So I'm I'm hoping that what we see against Indiana is more like that than than the laps that we saw at lapses we saw at times last night. Yeah, I, and the lapses are still freshman lapses. So, I mean, Kese kind of got dug on his heels a few times, and sometimes they actually... I, Nebraska came out with two sets, which were brilliant. They got him a couple dunks, and that was taking advantage of you know Michigan not being able to run the thing they do at a very high level. Now, they tried a zone uh, you know, a few games back, and the problem with their zone is they, just, they wouldn't get over and cover the corners, right? Like, Jet would be, like, missing the spot. So I like what they I like they have this kind of zone that turns into man defense the second somebody goes in the corner or someone tries to attack. As soon as it, anyone does anything it turns into man. And they run that fairly well, but it's a complicated system and sometimes they just messed it up. And I thought that they that Nebraska had a plan for exactly that. And as soon as they kind of fixed that up a little bit, you know, that was when Nebraska went on their uh their slow run and after that, I don't know. I think 
the it takes a lot of energy to run to play defense, and when you're up, what was it, forty five seventeen or something? Like it was, it was a Michigan Ohio State score plus ten or something. So it was a uh, it was such a blowout. It would, I think that they lost a little bit of energy, and Juwan thought it too because he put his energy guys out there. All of a sudden, he's like, now entering the court, Will Cheddar. That that's when Michigan needs energy, right? Yeah, I, I, that's I, that's why I'm playing that guy every game he he gives you that boost off the bench and you know what i mean quietly kind of does does it feel like to you guys joey baker is kind of finding his stroke a little bit I, I don't know if he was struggling with confidence a little bit in there um uh you know a few weeks ago but lately uh, he seems to be a little more dialed in from uh from distance yeah i, I think that's definitely the case like he's shooting 44 percent on the year so it's not like he was ever like doing badly but i do think that he's gotten to a spot where you just expect him to knock stuff down when he gets the uh open shots so i mean that's a huge difference for michigan right like they are in the spot where they are actually getting those kickouts from hunter dickinson doubles he was much better against that against uh nebraska and the quality of looks they had against that team i think was on a totally different level than it, it had been for for much of the year and part of that's nebraska but nebraska is a top 50 defense so they're not terrible they're not iowa so being able to get that number of open shots against a team that has been fairly decent um defensively i think is encouraging yeah there was the the one that he shot in the corner where he he shoots it and he starts running down the floor before before the ball <laughs> even gets to the rims like yeah that dude's feeling it <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah he's he's in the zone and hopefully he he keeps it up because I, I think Hunter, one of the big adjustments for him, I got to give Tim McCormick uh, some credit for calling this out a month ago. He said, man, Hunter is moving. He's he he's making decisions too slow. Like he he needs to move quicker, whether it's making a move or or passing the basketball. He has got to be quicker anticipating the double team. And I've we've started to see more of that, whether it's definitely getting into his move quicker, but finding guys and they haven't always made the the open shots uh but it feels like they're doing that a, a little more here of late which is crucial uh, as they face one of the hottest teams in the big 10 uh we were talking off air about it you know indiana they had a three-game losing streak early in the season they got blown out by penn state and after that game trace jackson davis goes and i can't remember if it was in the post-game press conference or if it was like during the week but he calls out the team and it's like we just went out there and we did. We, we didn't do anything the coach, to, uh, coach Wilson, told us to do. You know, kind of calling everyone out. And since then, Seth, they have been they've been one of the best teams, one of the hottest teams in the conference, one of the hottest teams in the country. They went from off the radar to now. What are, what are they lately? I think they're number eighteen or something like that. Yeah, I think they were. Uh, they're they're really going well. Yeah, they. I mean, they went to Maryland and lost. And other than that, I think they just. They've been on a tear since that three-game losing streak. And Trace Jackson Davis, uh, he's now number two on Ken Palm, and that is a big turnaround for that guy who was, you know, a little bit of a, a laugh every time we bring him up in in past years. Like, he was mm-hmm. – I, I think he's one of those guys who, um, you know, thought he was going to the lottery uh, when he got here and, and, and played like it, right? Like, hey, I'm just cooling my heels in Indiana for a year, and then the NBA is going to want me. And then the NBA didn't want him. And I think that he's kind of come around to who he is. Um, and who he is is still an incredible athlete. He's not that big, right? And he's not um, he's not an outside shooter. 
but he's a really good defender. He's really tough to handle down low. Uh, Michigan's historically done pretty well against him, but he's just turned the game to another level. So, I mean, Hunter's going to... I like this kind of matchup. I like when Hunter has a center that he can sink his teeth into instead of you know all these moops that they play against. So we'll we'll see how he does. But I'm I think Michigan can win this one. I think that Indiana is just they're not looking forward to Michigan. We're a little bit of a worse matchup for them than some of the teams they played. Yeah, you brought up Seth uh, the Big Ten tournament though. Uh, I mean Michigan had gone down to Bloomington. I want to say. That- down in Bloomington, they had handled him. I think, I want to say it was Caleb Houston that had like his only good road game of the year or something like that against them. And you're expecting, or I was expecting for them to go and handle Indiana in much the same way uh, in the uh, in the tournament. And it didn't work out that way. Brian, as Michigan squandered, remember they had like a big halftime lead and Indiana just came roaring back in, in the second half and it was... It was really Chase Jackson Davis, uh, Trace Jackson Davis that that turned the tide for him. Yeah, and I mean, he's been one of those guys who you've always kind of been waiting for. Like, okay, what's where are we going to see it from him? And okay, now we're seeing it. <laughs> he's he's been excellent all year, and he's a major reason that they've gotten to where they've gotten to. Now they're not, you know, a super elite team. They're some. They're in the 20s in Kempom, definitely a very like manageable game for Michigan. But it, it, it is going to have to be a game where Hunter wins his matchup. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. That was the, the, the tale of the two games was Hunter outplayed. Uh, I really outplayed Trace Jackson Davis in Bloomington. And in the Big Ten tournament, uh, you know, TJD was, he was head and shoulders he won that matchup and it wasn't close so i I like the matchup from the standpoint of i I think that historically you know these two i think hunter's link kind of bothers him uh we've seen that uh before uh you just got to hope that what we saw him do whether it was you know getting second chance opportunities the the quickness factor that he uh that he used to his advantage in that game you got to hope that that was an anomaly because Hunter uh, in the Big Ten tournament, uh, I think I think he got outscored by 10, 9 or 10 points uh, in that game. I was looking at it last night. So uh, he yeah, needs to be big. What about the matchup between Kobe Bufkin and, and Jalen Hood-Shifano? Well, I mean, Hood-Shifano is a guy who has a ton of size, a big recruit, um, hasn't really put it together inside the line yet. So his turnover rate's over 20. He's shooting 42% from two, but he's a 40% three-point shooter. Pretty much everybody Indiana has, except for Jackson Davis, who's in their starting lineup, is shooting 40% from three. So in terms of defense, you just got to stay in front of people, and you can't come off anyone because I mean, you just got to D up one-on-one. And that's something that you know Buffkin has been working on. Uh, I don't know exactly. Uh, <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know if we've seen him tested like he's going to be tested. But I mean, Hujifino is a guy who has ball a lot, but kind of has that Doug McDaniel freshman vibe sometimes, where mm-hmm. his his actions with the ball aren't always totally purposeful. He makes some bad decisions because he's a freshman, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Buffkin is going to have an opportunity. I don't know that he's going to get Hujifino on defense because they like putting Trey Galloway on on guys and he seems like 
the best size matchup, and then Hutchfield's a little bit Doug bigger. Because Galloway's the no, shortest no, I, guy out there. <laughs> well, no. So, I mean, Doug can check anybody who's not Hutchfina or Jackson Davis because they're all just just a shooter guys who stand in the corner. But I'm talking about who Buffkin's going to go up against when Michigan has the ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it'll be Hutchfina because, like, in terms of size, he's a better match for Jet Howard. So I, I, it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be some cross-matching going on and switches, and it'll be confusing for, for both teams. Um, but Really, it just comes down to like, does Indiana have to double on Hunter Dickinson? And since Michigan refuses to double, does that let Jackson Davis kind of continue his his senior surge here? And I mean, that's it's a pretty simple game right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Michigan showing up on on some uh, in some bubble mention. I I ignore all that. They they're they're on the bubble if they win this one. Yeah. Yeah. Win this win this game. You you can you can start like maybe thinking about it. But you gotta win this game before you even start. Yeah. I mean the one thing that I like is yeah, the Doug matchup is gonna be terrible. Like it it's everyone's got length, so he's not gonna be able to get his shot up. And you know, there's like you you say you can hide him on anybody, but Miller Cop can shoot over anybody, right? He's that's what he is. He just he's a guy in the corner, but he also gets a shot up. So like you know, he's Joey Baker, right? Would you want Joey? I mean, they're they're gonna Baker, get their right? shots up, like yeah. So hey, look, they they got they got beat up pretty bad at that spot against Ohio State, and it, and they were able to weather it. Uh, they they did a good job on everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's just it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to hide them in in certain games. Um, and it you know it's just is what it is. What speaking of which, but what do you what do you think of his progress so far? Because yeah, he's had some herky-jerky moments. He he looks like a freshman out there. One thing I can say about him, though, he has been a better shooter than I expected him to be. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I don't feel like, oh, no, every time he hoists one from three. I mean, he crosses over and pulls up from three last night. I'm like, man, okay, Dougie. You know, it's, it's, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think that's accurate. He's a guy who is able to pull up and it's not always a disaster. I feel like, you know, he's, he's got to get better at getting shots inside the line because mm-hmm. <clears throat> pretty much everything he's taking inside the line is like a runner. Like n- none of it is something that projects to be sustainable, efficient offense, but yeah, from the outside. Yeah. We're, we're in business. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I mean, I think he, he, has to get proficient at, he, he has to get proficient at, at a runner though. I mean, yeah, he has to get proficient at a runner, but also you just you got to be able to make that part of your game, but not your whole game. So I mean, he's never going to be big, but you know we saw Xavier Simpson be able to get to the basket and get up layups, and that part of his game has not really come through yet. Yeah, I just don't know what he. Yeah, you know, one of the things that helped X become uh, a much obviously we know he he had to figure out something in the mid range for him. It was the hook. I mean. Doug, he's got to figure out something in, in between. Yeah. Uh, and so, but for now, uh, look, man, I'm I'm taking better than I expected. And I'm not, the, the other guys really have to continue to raise their level of performance. And hopefully they can get it done against Indiana this weekend. Huge, huge game for Michigan. I want to segue into some hockey. So, any one of you guys going down to the D? No. I haven't gone in forever. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, might, I might, I might, I took my daughter last year and she loved it. So I've been wanting to get her to Yoast. I haven't gotten her to Yoast yet. 
I love LCA. I don't I mean, I, I just, it you has do? become very quickly. I do. I do. It is one of my favorites. You don't like it? Here's my problem. They make the seats down low way too expensive. So the, the good okay. seats there, and then they have that like bar that everyone can go to who sits down there. So guess where mm-hmm. everybody is? Not, not they're not sitting there. There's like this big empty bowl where like you know your quote student section should be right. And, and even again the game against Eastern they did that. So like you had this rocking building and like Michigan and Eastern are playing a great basketball game even though Eastern turned out to be terrible. But it was like it was a rocking environment. Except that one area, which is like the golden area, it, it's they got to do something about that, you know. Like if yeah, I guess you know what I hadn't, I wasn't looking at it from that standpoint. I just just the 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 venue, the the sight lines, the the feel of the arena. I hated the palace. I thought it was cavernous. Mm-hmm. I thought when you sat high, you were you might as well have been you know on Everest looking down at the game. This one, uh, you know, I think you feel you're on literally on top of the action but you don't feel like you're a mile away from it you know i, I just like the vibe in in the place yeah so yeah and they got michigan night too. coming up uh, the pistons too so i i I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that as well it's just a um i i was i, I went to a lot of red wings games at, at joe and i don't go to very many at the lca because it's i mean the joe was a great venue so I went yeah. to a Red Wings game versus the uh, the Maple Leafs last year, uh-huh. and we were we were up like um, there's it's not sweet level, but it's it's high. We were like right, literally right over the ice. It was the most amazing view of a <laughs> hockey game I've ever I've ever seen, and so that that's why I say there can't be a bad sight line in that no. in that build. No, I, they they designed it well. It's neither team's actually been that good since they've been there. And <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> so the, the they haven't gotten the vibe built up yet, but yeah, I, I will say I've enjoyed the venue more than I've enjoyed the teams. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. So, but no, man, I I want to get off into some hockey. So so two things that I I want to get into with you guys. Of course, the Norado question, um, because it it seems like there's growing sentiment that he's the guy and I, and, but that's just what, you know, the, the message board buzz is and what it sounds like fans are saying, are you guys kind of getting that vibe in hockey circles that that's what people think is going to happen? Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the end result here. Like if he makes a tournament, he probably gets a job. And I think one of the daily writers has been running scenarios on pairwise and it's pretty much impossible for him not to make the tournament at this point. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, yeah, you got to go with it. Yeah. Basically Ohio state missed the tournament last year with a, an exact same scenario of Michigan losing out from here. And even that took a whole lot of bad luck. Like normally the team to like Michigan would yeah. have to lose a lot of games and, and they're probably not. I think that they're a better team than their record shows. Cause like they had that series against Minnesota where everybody was sick. Right. They lost guys to the juniors, so they had to play some series without Fantilli, and those are the games they lost this year. When they, um, I, was it that first that Wisconsin game that's hanging around their neck? Like that was, you know, part of that part of the season. And then they played Minnesota pretty straight up in Minnesota, um, and that's maybe the best team in hockey. So like they're that's that's really where they are talent wise, and also young teams like. We saw this a couple times already with Michigan. They're getting these guys who are draft picks, 
and then they get on the ice for the first time. Hockey is one of those sports you just get better at until you're, you know, in your 30s. So they're mm-hmm. they they are trending way up. They're getting a lot better. I think the lines make a lot more sense now. And you know, they're, they're, the hockey circles aren't really talking about Nerado because it just seems like obvious, right? They're they're like, well, he's he's there. He's winning. It's more kind of a when than an if. I I don't know if they're saving it for a particular moment or or what's going on, but I don't think that there's any question anymore. It's more just like a, you know, when do they want to announce it? Maybe when they make the tournament, maybe like on a special occasion, you know, maybe to get them hyped up so they don't lose that Notre Dame series at the end of the year like they always do. Now, so is, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, is, is, is Billy the ace recruiter? Like who is the... Who's the guy on staff? I think it is Billy. Um, I think Narado does have a lot of juice just being him. Um, but yeah, it's it's supposed to be McCall, and I've heard that McCall probably might not be around. That's what I was gonna ask. That's what I was gonna ask you. Because like, it's hard when you get you get passed over like that, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you, Brian. Very perceptive, my man. Yeah. So. But- so how do you replace that if he's bringing in all this talent? Uh, he, I mean, well, it's, yeah. on some level, Michigan recruits itself. Like there is, like someone I don't remember who told me this, but like kids in Ontario, they either want it, like they there's two kinds of dreams that when you're a kid in Ontario, and one is I want to play in the OHL, and one is I want to play for Michigan. Are you officially on board with Brandon Norado as the? Is the full time, not the interim, remove the tag coach of the University of Michigan hockey team, Brian Cook? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, team's playing well. They've been recruiting well. Their record is like, a little deceptive because they've played the hardest schedule in the country and they've missed Fantilli. They had that series against Minnesota where they were missing half the team. They've had Truscott out the last couple of weeks. They missed Samuskevich for the Penn State series. Uh, Seamus Casey was out last weekend. They had the horrible situation with Steve Holtz. There's a good USCHO article on how that all went down. And it just, for them to come through all that and be precariously perched on the verge of a one seed and basically have to lose out to, to miss the tournament. And, and on top of that, you have more than one NHL guy talking about how Michigan systems are some of the best outside the NHL. So given all that, like I kind of feel like the decision is, is made because if you make the tournament, he's not getting fired. (laughs) And you know, the, at this point, they would literally have to lose out to miss the tournament. So for me, that's enough for me to say, all right, he's he's the guy long term. Seth? Yeah, somebody on our message board likened him to Ryan Day, which <laughs> I know that Michigan fans don't love that, that comparison, but like you know, the 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 program under him is doing great. They're recruiting top notch, they're playing great, and he's got a a lot of pro uh ability himself like he was a analyst for the red wings he knows the systems they play so it's not just that he, you know he doesn't just play something like the uh like the nhl he can tell you how they do it in the nhl how things are actually being done in the nhl since like 2018 because there's been a shift in how nhl teams operate and he was part of that 
and they they're a lot better at using um, motion statistics and stuff like that. Things that not I don't even know Michigan has, but they they know how to um, he he knows how to tell guys what they're looking for in the NHL, and I think guys respond to that, and I think that is a thing that you can put at the core of your program if you want to play for the pros. Um, if, if that's what your your goal is, Michigan is the number one destination. And they got that. They've got their location. The national development team is right here, and parents do move around Ann Arbor. Uh, you know, when their kids are in high school, playing on those teams, so you have access to the more access than anybody to those guys. Uh, well, those feel that I mean, that's not. Um, they moved it to Plymouth for one. Mm-hmm. And for two, usually by the time a guy gets on the U seventeen team, he's committed. Right. <laughs> um, these days, yeah. not publicly, but I mean, the U seventeens are currently largely committed. And then was August first, everybody else will announce their actual destination. So I don't necessarily think that that's a huge asset for Michigan. I mean, it, it probably helps since some recruitments like an Andrew Kopp mm-hmm. who is a, a rare guy who was on the national team and didn't really have a whole lot of draft buzz and only got drafted the second time around. So, but they have, they brought in a couple of guys who are definite five stars. They recruited one of the top guys on the U 17 team. And they did all that with the fact that Narado is an interim coach. So if uh, that's how they're doing now, they'll probably do even better once there's some long-term certainty in the program. So uh, we sort of talked about this in, in the break, uh, Brian. I, I remember when, obviously, they uh, Michigan moved on from Mel, there was some thought that Billy McCall would move up to that spot, uh, to the interim spot. Brandon Narado obviously got it. Let's let's say that he's named the, the, the permanent coach. Do you think that the odds are good for retention? For for Billy and if Billy were to leave, how big a loss would that be, especially to recruiting? Well, I I don't know. It's uh it's always hard when you're an assistant in a program and another assistant gets the job. Like that's just a situation in which you often see guys move on. But you know, I know Billy loves Michigan and I think he is an excellent recruiter. His connections all over the sport. He was running a BCHL team before he came over to Michigan. And if Michigan is so inclined, they can probably pay him better than anyone but an NHL team. So that's it from a call. Is does he want to go try to be an assistant on an NHL team with, you know, eyes on bigger things down the road? Or is he content to be Billy Powers? Um, and some people are. And, you know, I if I was in his position, I'd be like, fine, let's let's win some national championships. But if he does decide that that's not like he wants something more, then can't blame him for that. And I do think it would be a big blow to lose him. He is an excellent recruiter. Um, he's a good coach. And you know, I think when you saw the Mel Pearson report, you didn't see McCall implicated in any of that. And I think that says something too. Like there's a situation where you're in a program that is not treating everybody particularly well. And you don't get caught up in that. So I think he's an asset to the program and I would hate to lose him. Yeah, man. You, you said something there uh, in your response, Brian, and I think is kind of one of the differences that we've seen across the board for, for Michigan, say in the past 10, 12 years is that you pay assistance at a level that they, they won't get poached for lateral positions. Yeah. Right. So maybe you just, you know, especially you got to imagine you won't be paying Brandon Narado, not not you know 
give you know talk about somebody else's uh you know bank account but i i don't think they would be paying him uh you know what you might be paying a more proven coach it would seem to me that even more of a reason to go pay uh billy the kind of money that no other team can come and match for an assistant coach Seth. yeah i you can pay him more than you know northern michigan's paying their head coach right but I, I think at this point he I, I'd rather he'd go to the NHL than Wisconsin. Is that well? He's <laughs> I mean, he, I don't think he would get poached for anything other than a college head job mm-hmm. or the NHL. Yeah. Like the realistic suite of suitors in hockey outside the NHL that could get Billy McCall away from his alma mater for anything other than a head job. There is there's nobody. So you know, I think it, it's going to be. Does he want to go to the league? And that's going to be it. Go ahead. I was just saying, there's that I was I was speaking of head jobs, and I think the head okay. job in Wisconsin's going to be open pretty soon. Yeah, the head. I mean, usually college hockey is so insular that those jobs usually stay within the family, mm-hmm. which is how Tony Granado got the job in the first place. I mean, he he had a good resume. He's just not performing very well. But I mean, I, maybe another college team looks him up and thinks that it's a good idea. It probably would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, one of the topics that we've talked about a lot with hockey uh, of late, I mean, it's a huge basketball topic, guys, coming back. I mean, we've talked a lot about it with uh, when it comes to Jet the past few weeks. Like, you know, he's getting more and more lottery buzz, uh, seeming less and less likely that he'll return. Not a definite that he won't, but less likely. But you look over at hockey. Uh, and, you know, you, a couple of years ago, you had all the, I mean, basically the entire team come back. Uh, you just had, you just had Luke Hughes come back. So uh, when you look at Adam, Adam Fantilli, what do you, what do you guys make of the prospects, Brian, of him coming back next year? I mean, is, am I wishing on a prayer? <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I mean, usually guys at that level do not come back like if you're a top five pick and you're slotted directly for the nhl those guys are gone um there is sort of a cba issue in the nhl where if you sign a guy at 18 his clock starts ticking on free agency and you can delay that until 20 so if some nhl team drafts him and is wise enough to think okay we'd rather have his 26 year than his 18 year then you might see him come back um, his brother's here too. That is something that probably factors into that decision. Uh, I would say it's unlikely. I mean, with everybody coming back a couple of years ago, you had a, a COVID really played a major factor into that. They didn't get to play in the tournament that year. Yost was empty. I think a lot of those guys felt like the reason they came to Michigan, they didn't really get to actually have that experience. And so that was a major draw. Um, also, we'll Owen see. Power in Buffalo. It was like Buffalo was just in this weird situation where they were trying to tank and they were picking up other people's contracts and they just happened to get a bunch of defensemen. So they were – Owen Power could have helped them win games and they didn't want that. They wanted to have <laughs> – <laughs> they needed expensive guys so they could hit the cap minimum who could play terribly and get them better draft picks. So like that was, that was yeah. a weird scenario that I – I would love that if it happens to Fantilli too, but I doubt it. I think that whoever drafts him wants to sell tickets. He's going to be, you know, 
uh, a big draw, especially after the year he's having, and that team is going to want him in the NHL right away. Mm, mm. So that being the case, look, it's season left, but you know how we are. We're we like to look to the future. I mean, what does the recruiting class look like, Brian? Well, they had a bit of a lull, uh, understandably, uh, because of the the, uh, the Mel thing. Mm-hmm. So their incoming class is not great. Um, they've got a couple of guys who should be drafted, but um, the incoming guys, most of the draft picks for Michigan are already on campus. So you're going to see a couple guys go in the first round in Fantilli and then probably Gavin Brindley. And the guys are coming in next year. They have Nick Moldenhauer, who plays for Chicago of the USHL. He was a third round pick, but his draft year, he had, I think he got cut by a skate and he had some other illness. So he didn't really get to play. And this year in the USHL, he's playing like one of the best players in the league. So he'll be a big boost. Uh, Charlie Serrato is on the U18 team, but mostly these guys are going to be a bridge class. Um, so they have a couple of big timers in 2024 couple of big timers in 2025 and you know this will be the cost of the whole uncertainty around mel yeah this class keep in mind we have not seen even every like um frank nazar is probably you can like mentally put him in next year's class because he hasn't played at all this year right like that's yeah and, and they're gonna get back some of these guys um They've got COVID eligibility on a lot of these players too, so they they actually can retain a pretty good team. I think next year is like the, they're in this cycle now because of the way they recruit, where they just they get this ridiculous class in, and then they kind of you know fumble it around a little bit because they're freshmen, got to figure out who these guys are, and they've got to figure out who they are, and then their sophomore years, the, the guys who come back, you're not going to get everybody, but if you get half of your draft picks back at, from your freshman class. Uh, those guys are sophomores. They really, you know, that becomes your top two lines. That leads a championship caliber team, and then you kind of reset. So I think next year we're looking at that championship caliber team. Depending on who they get back, you never know who, you know, who's going to be taken away by Michigan Hockey Summer. But there's a lot of talent that they have on this team that's so young that next year could be a really good season. And then what you're, Brian's really talking about is the season. At, hockey's weird. You have to look so far out in the future, right? You have to look at like the fifteen-year-olds who's interested in Michigan right now because that's when the classes come together. Yeah, man. So look, you you talk about the kind of interesting phase they will be in this offseason. I kind of look over at football and look at the quarterback situation like that, and I said, okay, well, you know, hopefully they can go out and get a Sam Hartman. I know that NIL might play into that some, but hopefully they can do that. And then you know, the freshman quarterback they bring in won't have to be a a guy as a freshman. Is the portal a thing in hockey? I mean, does that help at all? The portal is becoming more of a thing in hockey. So Western is pretty good this year, and they have a lot of guys who uh, transferred. So that might be something Michigan looks to. It's going to depend on how many guys they get back and how many openings they have. So historically, Michigan has not been a heavy portal team because largely they're just trying to cram all the guys in their recruiting class on a campus. (laughs) So... They've taken a couple of guys here and there, uh, and I'm sure if there's someone out there who fits a hole in the roster that's generated from an NHL departure, they'll seriously consider it. Uh, I just don't know if uh, that is going to be a possibility. Uh, 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, fellas, uh, you got Super Bowl picks real quick. Philly versus Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, who do, who do you got? Who you got? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's weird. The NFC was like the battle of the good teams, and the AFC was the battle of the quarterbacks. So it's uh, I, I pick good team over quarterback, Philadelphia. Yeah, you, could, you could pick Brandon Graham over Frank Clark and Mike Dana, or and Chad Henney. And Chad Henney, that's right. <laughs> he, he got them there. That's not just he's not just holding a clipboard this year. Henny Henny helped the helped them make their way there. I said it's a quarterback league, right? Yeah, you did. You did. You did. All right. Miz is giving me the wrap-up sign. Great job, as always, fellas. Craig Ross, feel better, my friend. We hope to see you next week. To the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, a cumulus station.